So my philosophy as an influencer is not to solely depend on one stream of income or one platform for income earning because if that platform fails, then you fail. So for example, a lot of Instagram um, influencers make good money, but you know, a couple of years, Instagram won't be popular. And if that's where you put all your energy and content and focus on and strategy, when Instagram is not popular anymore, will you fail or will you have a backup and another way to be lucrative? Welcome to the Uncensored Show with your host, George Atchampal, where we share the mindset, tips, tools, strategies, and stories on how to use your money to do more of what you love and what you were called to do. Money is like gas on a road trip. Sure, you need it to get where you're going, but you're not going on a tour of gas stations. Money fuels your journey. The question is, what's yours? Live life uncensored. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Uncensored Show. Uh, to this day, I still have to catch myself and not say the Legacy and Lifestyle Show, and especially on this episode because I have one of the OG, original uh, Legacy and Lifestyle Show uh, guests. Actually, I think you were the first official guest, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we had like surprise reveals, even though it was my third episode. So I'm, you know, I remember we, that. Was that 2017? I think it was 2016. Wow. Yeah, because we went to Jamaica in 2016. Time flies. Time flies. We're three years in. Technically, the podcast wasn't live then. I was just kind of like pre-recording episodes before it went live. I don't think it really went live to like mid-2017. Um, but yeah, so that was quite a while ago. Anywho, hope I didn't spoil uh, do a spoiler alert by um, mentioning that. But I want to introduce you to our guest for today, uh, Majesty is an influencer who is best known for creating content related to beauty, hair, and lifestyle posted on MajestyAtchingPong.com. Recently changed the name. I don't know who encouraged you to do that. Um, over the years, Majesty has grown her influence by working with brands such as Pantene, CoverGirl, Urban Skin RX, Olay, Carol's Daughter, just to name a few. Majesty now gives back to the blogging community by teaching new creators um, industry skills, through her masterclass sessions, Ignite Your Influence Conference, and through her one-on-one coaching services. Majesty earned her bachelor's degree in communications from UNC Charlotte, and Majesty currently resides in Charlotte, North Carolina, and she lives with this super cool, dope guy who has a podcast, does a bunch of other stuff, and he can't figure out why he's nowhere in her bio. Um, Because it's obvious I reside with you. It's obvious. Obvious to who? They don't know you yet. This is my podcast. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Majesty, aka my wife, to the show. How are you? Hey, y'all. So, yeah, like I said, Majesty, for those who are OG uh, podcast listeners, she was like the, I think, the official first guest, like episode three. Um, We were sharing a mic, leaning in really close. (laughs) Uh, Oddly enough, even though the podcast has been, you know, mentioned by several outlets, ranked by Forbes, all that kind of stuff. The, the the setup hasn't really elevated that much, right? Uh, it just goes to show you, you can kind of start where you are and use what you can, do what you have. I do have two mics now. Um, but other than that, we still have one of the original mics uh, that we were using, and we're also doing it at home like I did the last time. So um, just really excited to have you on. Uh, as you know, as you guys know who listened to last week, 
Uh, we had Daria Underwood on the show, who I went to college with, who is uh, now also an influencer herself. And as I was going through the episode, I was like, man, like all this information is valuable, but I also hear all this information uh, at home all the time at different um, capacities. So I was like, it would be dope to have someone else kind of round out um, the perspective on influence. And I thought, who better to uh, close us out on that topic than my wife? I'm happy to be back. It only took, you know, since 2016, but I'm not holding any grudges. Hey, you know, some things age better with time, you know? It's like fine wine. Ooh, you like wine, right? Ooh, red. Yeah, so we wanted, we wanted to just bring you back for any old occasion. We wanted to, you know, make sure we had some, some meat and some depth on the show. So let's hop in. Let's hop in. Um, besides being my wife, which I'm sure is one of your favorite jobs of all time, uh, tell us a little bit more in your own words, just like, you know, who you are, what you do, what you're about, all that kind of stuff. I like to say I have four jobs. So spoiler number one, I guess, is your wife. It's the hardest job of them all because you are a handful. Hard, hard job. Um, so that's my first job. Second that's what job, she said. Is that, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a shut, shut up. Second job, um, I am an influencer. It's like the only time I can be inappropriate because it's That's so inappropriate. But it's the only time I can be We grown. Well, we grown, though. They don't want to hear about It's the only time I can be inappropriate. I can't do it any other guests, right? You can't so. charge my question. All right, sorry. Okay, so first job, you. Second job, influencer. Third job, I like to describe as an offline experience creator um, because I plan out conferences, wow, workshops. Oh, that is fancy. Offline, offline experience creator. Tagline. Um, And fourth job, I have a nine to five as an employee relations manager, helping employees be more comfortable in the workplace. So I wear four hats. I um, I guess I grew up in Creedmoor, North Carolina, rural area. I am a pastor's kid, or as we like to call it, PK. Um, My father was a bishop, um, Bishop Matt Timberlake Jr. His dad was a pastor from a long, long line of church folks. Uh, which is probably why I love to talk and where I got my Lord Jesus speaking itch. Um, yeah, so PK, who evolved into uh, be someone who just wants to help people. I really have a heart for women. Mm-hmm. And even in my corporate job and HR, I help people. And then in my influencer, um, online and offline experiences, I love to help women. Okay. I mean, of course, I do all that, but maybe y'all didn't. It's always cool to hear. Uh, all the wonderful stuff that your your significant other is capable of. Um, so I have the luxury of knowing the backstory, right? Like the stuff that people don't see. And it's just the stuff that they might not know because, you know, unless they've known you when you were a small kid in Creedmoor, they wouldn't have context to this. So, you know, really, in all honesty, you started your entrepreneurial journey as a kid, you know, started way back as a kid, right? What you mm-hmm. like selling CDs and oh, yeah. clothes and stuff on eBay. Tell me, tell us about so before that. Before I realized selling CDs or burning CDs was illegal, <clears throat> I had a uh, lucrative business. This is like ancient. Define lucrative. Lucrative, like I can, you know, pay for my snacks and pay for, you know, some oh, clothes and shopping okay. at that time, 579, Charlotte Ruse, um, you know, all those ladies mm, who remember those of art and B. This is super throwback, but, um, so there was a time before streaming, before iTunes, uh, where albums were albums and you couldn't mix artists. So my teachers were older and weren't in the Napster age. So they were blown away by my ability to put Luther Vandross and Pat LaBelle on the same CD and make a custom mix CD. So mm-hmm. started doing that and making money, realized through the piracy laws it was illegal. Mm-hmm. So I stopped. Um, then I started selling makeup. Um, Avon has a younger 
business line called Mark. I started selling mm. that lipstick, more you know. uh, beauty. Um, then when I got into high school, I started an eBay store. And at the time, I didn't have a wholesale license, so I would just sell the things that I had in my closet, the things I got for Christmas or my birthday. And my family got a little salty that I kept selling all my gifts. And um, in college, I got the itch to learn retail the right way. So I got an internship with Target and then was able to, to utilize a skill I learned there to continue selling products online. So a um, couple of business along the way, but all have been in the consumer sales arena consumer sales arena okay and so let's fast forward a little bit so you gave us the background of childhood and then let's fast forward to like uh just before i met just before your life changed forever uh <laughs> let's fast forward to like 2010 okay. I'm, uh, rough year i could be my timeline could be off right this point you're you're a manager right yeah. at target working retail uh you still had that entrepreneur itch has never died and you're like you know what i think i want to start a boutique mm-hmm. right so talk about like the first pathway to that and then how that ultimately ended up to where you ended up stopping the boutique last year for the second mm-hmm. time. So let's talk about that. Okay. okay. So 2010-ish, my uh, dream was to have a boutique and in the physical brick and mortar sense. Um, I was actually very um, close to securing a lease in Raleigh. Um, there's a shopping center that's in a prominent area um, I had toured, talked with the uh, powers that be, and was about to sign a three-year lease. And you know, I thought, mm, I just didn't have peace about it. I talked to my mom about it. And I just thought, man, that's a big leap. Like, it was a, a huge money investment. Um, and if my business failed, I would still be uh, liable to paying what is owed to the property managers for that three-year term. So I thought, man, I didn't quite feel comfortable doing that. Um, I looked at spaces in Charlotte. Um, you know, we're talking even back 2010 and 2011 spaces where a bad space was 3000 a month. A prime space was upwards about 7000 a month. And we're talking three year to five year terms. And I really just didn't feel comfortable taking the financial leap of the lease, you know, filling a store, which I needed about 10K, um, getting a PO, POS system, paying employees. And it made me get creative with my original vision of having a brick-and-mortar store, understanding that at that time, the concept of e-retail, e-commerce was new and risky. But I thought, man, if I could just save those thousands of dollars that I would be paying for brick-and-mortar to having my items and inventory on sale online, I could save money, keep my store open 24 hours a day instead of having physical work hours, and continue to work my nine to five as I stack up my money. So my vision for having a boutique and passion stayed the same, but it shifted from a brick and mortar to e-commerce, which I did from 2012 up until 2018. Okay. And just to prove how well I know you, one one detail you left out, because um, I, I reason why I want to I harp on these things is because people who look at the majesty of today, right? The majesty who has this husband and uh, I'm always going to leave that as the main characteristic, um, has 30 plus thousand followers on Instagram, host event with hundreds of women that attend. It could be easy to assume that your pathway was linear. So you gave us you know, almost all the context, but talk to us a little bit about like just the not necessarily knowing 
exactly in the moment if like this is what you want to do and having to stop and then restart or even even before we get to that point how you had another opportunity um to open up another boutique and you know again stars didn't align but just continue to keep pressing forward because i feel like there's this underlying theme of flexible in the approach but kind of firm in the outcome right so like let's let's talk about that a little bit definitely my business journey has been a journey so kind of to rewind um in addition to trying to look for my own space um, to help me take on some of the financial relief, um, I actually looked into franchising with an established boutique that was very popular, had been in business in the Charlotte area for about seven years. Um, and they were going to charge me, I think, $25,000 to use their name rights. Um, and the owner of that boutique was going to support me and somewhat take me under her wing and show me their buyers, take me to trade shows. So in my mind, I thought the benefit at the time would be have an expediting learning curve from someone who's been in business for seven years. Um, but again, just something in my spirit thought I would have to use her business name. I would have to grow my boutique under her branding. And I, I went back and forth with it for a while and really landed at, even if I have to start online and I have a brick and mortar, I would have rather start and build my brand from scratch because I believe in me than have my, which what I thought at that time was my ultimate dream and have a brick and mortar, but have it branded under a franchisee name. Um, so I had to really come to terms with, hey, I'm going to start smaller, but it's mine. And 2012, I started the e-commerce business. And then in 2013, I actually started blogging because people would say, you know, People who know me call me Madge. They would say, Madge, you know, I love how you styled your boutique clothes. Um, you know, where'd you get those shoes that you styled with it? Where'd you get those accessories? So I started a blog just to really share how I was putting together the looks from my boutique. And then people start noticing I changed my hair a lot. And people would ask, who's doing your hair? Or what are you using in your hair? So then I start sharing a little bit more about hair. Then people ask, oh, I love your lip color. What kind of lipstick are you wearing? And my blog eventually, with just the intention of sharing what I had in my boutique, grew to be a fashion, lifestyle, and beauty blog just to answer the questions to who had interest in what I was doing and what I was wearing. So you're right. The My business journey has not been linear. It has been a uh, journey from wanting to do brick and mortar and not having any intention to, of blogging to now in current day blogging and influencing be my primary focus and me wanting to really invest more time in that and closing down my boutique which I thought was my original dream and now I'm more satisfied and really feel like I'm in my place of purpose with my influencer work got it do you see yourself ever opening a boutique again or selling any online merchandise or things like that maybe down the road as I grow a team but right now I'm in the space I'm in with me and me having an intern um, being a team of two, I have to really prioritize my time since I wear Joe so many hats. Um, so right now, it's not in the cards. Later in life, it's in a long-term plan. Yeah, I think another important point that maybe, again, people who uh, may not have context to is really, if we really think about it, your desire to blog was rooted also, like you said, in just sharing, but also like in necessity, right? It was like, hey, you know, I'm an entrepreneur and every every penny cost and how can I like not stop hiring models for every photo shoot right and so I think that that's an important point too because in entrepreneurship you know you have to be resourceful but more importantly when you are 
fluid to the approach, you can end up what stumbling upon something that you didn't even know was going to be a pathway, right? Absolutely. So me blogging was so I could save money from not having to pay a model. Like me blogging was how can I advertise and me not having to pay myself any extra. So it was definitely a necessity of me just trying to show off the apparel that I had um, in a different way instead of using a stock photo. Stock photo. And even that, like, it was totally me putting myself out there for business exposure because I wasn't, I thought I looked nothing like a model. I didn't feel comfortable posing. I wasn't a size two. I wasn't tall. I was everything that a boutique model wasn't. But I think that's the essence and really the beginnings of authentic bloggers who were just themselves and didn't look like models. And people really rock with that and respected that. Nice, nice. Um, so that brings me to an interesting point, a point I like to call the power of the P-I-V-O-T. And for those of you who are old enough, you know the reference I'm making um, when I make that statement. Um, but, you know, you started your career, you know, you started with the, the boutique and then you ventured into becoming a blogger, shut the boutique down, really focused on blogging and content creating, reopened the boutique and started doing that again, started doing pop-up events. The events were really thriving, really successful. Um, and now to doing women's empowerment events, boot camps, online workshops. So my question is for you, you might not, it might not be definitive, but I'm curious of your thought process. When, when do you know when it's time to pivot, right? Because that, that can be one a hard thing for entrepreneur, right? Because it's like, I started this thing and if I stop, does it mean I fail? Does it mean it just, it's no longer of interest anymore? Like, when do you know how, to, when do you know when to pivot and how do you do that? What, or at least what did it look like for you? I'm not saying it's a def, like a defined process, but what did that look like for you to just know, like, you know what? It's time to move on. For me, it was, it came down to dollars and cents and what made business and financial sense. And it came down to time. Um, so when I looked at my business numbers at year end, the things that I did for influencer work, I made, you know, significant earnings and I was paying myself for my business when I made earnings, it was on inventory, which I already had a wholesale cost for. And then if it didn't sell, I still had inventory on hand. So just in terms of being profitable, I thought, man, having an inventory heavy business, you know, it, it, it just, it didn't make a lot of sense because each time I sold out of something, I had to replenish. So I thought, man, you know, how do I get ahead with this inventory, inventory heavy business? Or I thought, if I am my own brand, if I am a product, I don't have to restock myself, you know, it's a way I can get ahead. So from a matter of pure profitability, it made sense. And it was hard because I loved doing my boutique. So it was something I had to really make a business decision over feelings. Um, and then I do think everything has a season because I learned so much from my boutique with styling, with uh, merchandise, you know, with even how to you know, work with brands and understand them from the other side of the business um, that I use now on the influencer side. So nothing was a waste of time. Everything was a learning. And then even with the workshops and conferences that I do now, I started getting my event itch with my boutique, doing pop-up shops and retail events. So I think the boutique in some ways, because it was my original vision, kind of led me to where I really needed to be without me even knowing it. So I think just follow the path. And if there's resistance there, you know, don't resist the resistance, like go with it and really dig in. So I was getting resistance and kind of that intuition, like, mm, 
I'm forcing this and when I have limited time, I'm picking my influencer work over my boutique work. I desired to do it more. I was making more profit from it more, but I didn't want to let it go because I thought that's my original baby. I don't want to feel like I failed. But when I looked at it on paper and put my feelings aside, the influencer work and the influencer side of my brand was what had the most growth and what made the most financial sense, where I could still do my purpose. If my purpose with my boutique was to make women feel good, to empower them and inspire them, that's what I'm doing in my influencer and brand work. So concepts, like Curtis always likes to say, basically the concept govern the specific, exactly. right? Like you don't have to get hung up on like the specific tactics, but conceptually are you doing what you're, which is why I guess it's important to have an overarching vision because it's almost like your North Star where you can ask yourself, are you still mapping to that even though you're doing something different? Correct. Okay. So even though you have a thriving and popping business, you get four-figure checks from brands. You know, I'm seeing her. She's got a whole photo and video shoot in our bathroom. I can't even pee because there's <laughs> lights and camera and hair people. Um, you host events with hundreds of women, which is incredibly hard to do nowadays because um, while you do see a lot of events, um, you know, online it has become like the default thing, right? A lot of people can have a lot of followers but can't necessarily create offline experiences. So you're able to do all that. Um, and to the surprise of many, you still have a corporate job as well. So I guess even though I somewhat know the answer to this, I know my listeners will benefit from understanding how do you balance being a wife, friend, daughter, mentor to many others and businesswoman, right? How do you, how do you balance all those things? Scheduling and time blocking. Um, you know this because you're my husband. Like even with us, like to prioritize our quality time together, we have to put on our schedules. Like, hey, when's our day night this week? What are we doing for a date? And we have to make sure we don't commit to business activities or social activities and protect that time. Same for my influencer time and my event planning time. Um, there are office hours, just like I have to go to work nine to five when I'm off work. My weekends and work nights are office hours. So I think. You know, the key to success with any entrepreneur endeavor, especially if you're side hustling um, with blocks of time being to um, other forms of employment, timing and scheduling is everything. And, you know, a lot of times that means late nights. A lot of times that means sacrificing some social stuff. A lot of times that means there are seasons where we're very front facing and people see, man, Madge is doing a lot. But to get there, I had to maybe have to do a photo shoot six outfits in one day or to get there maybe had to do tons and tons of planning effort so for me scheduling is key and then communication and and learning to say no when I really don't have it and learning to prioritize what's really important absolutely yeah it's, it's no it's no easy feat for sure um so being that we just talked about all the hats you have to wear all the things that you have to do that I see firsthand uh you know Throughout your life, right, you've been no stranger to like health challenges, whether it's being there for someone else you're close to who's experiencing them or if it's you dealing with them. You know, actually, you know, you're kind of dealing and kind of overcoming one right now. So a question I think is going to be very important and vital and, and arguably something that's a buzzword for people. But more than a buzzword, people really need to focus on it. How do you prioritize self-care and try to make sure that you're OK in the midst of doing a million and one different things. Well, health has definitely been kind of a roller coaster over my lifetime because I'm a go-getter. And with that, 
I will schedule work, 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 work. And so I run myself to the ground sometimes. And so now self-care has been more of a priority, really based off of necessity, because a lot of my health challenges in the past have been because of burnout. Um, so now I've started implementing journaling into my weekly routine, um, exercise. I know you're happy to hear this. I used mm-hmm. to hate just, I used to think, okay, Georgia's into working out. That's not for me. I'm not a working out person. Um, but this year, I got a trainer and um, committed to three days a week in the mornings uh, with some additional cardio days. And it, and it really made a difference. I could tell the difference in my immune system. I wasn't getting colds all the time. Um, so for me, a lot of mental focus with journaling, seeing a therapist, um, that's something new I started this year. I'm um, really putting myself as a priority, like I do my business. I mean, because you know, in my mind, I hustle so hard, my brand can come first before me sometimes. Um, and I know that's something I have to revert because my brand can't be anything if I'm not here. And so when I've had health challenges, it's been a really a kick in the butt reminder that if I'm not well, I can't execute the things within my brand that I love to do to help people. So I've had to really shift, and I think that's been kind of my learning lesson this year, is to be well so I can be there for others and be there for my brand and be there to create these experiences and be able to do things like this that I love to do. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And something else I think I want you to share, and something that I've had to deal with, but this is not my episode to elaborate on it, is... When you get sidelined, right? When life when life slows you down, that's really what happens, right? It's like mm-hmm. either you gonna slow down or life's gonna slow you down. When life kind of slows you down um, and it's beyond your control, like what do you do to get through those seasons of forced rest? Like what is like what's your mindset like during that season? Because it's one of the hardest things for a go getter, right? Is to be sidelined. It's like it's like being a star athlete of, of the team. Right. Last thing you want to do is be on the bench. Right. You know, if you're in the game, you're better in the game than you are on the bench. But if you're injured and you got a broken hand, you're not going to be good. You're only going to hurt yourself further. You might not be able to play next season. Wow. That was a great analogy. (laughs) But my question is, when you have those seasons of forced rest, like what is your mindset to just be like, okay, I got to sit in this. And what do what do you do in those moments? I'm curious. So I've had a couple of these. Um, I had one season where I tore my ACL and meniscus and it took six weeks to heal. So that was my season of forced rest. And I was frustrated because I wanted to wear heels and I wanted to have my normal life. Um, And when I got over that, okay, pity party, I used that time, because I had to take leave of absence because I had to have surgery. So I used that time to launch my online boutique and use that time to have my first pop-up shop. And so I, I used the time that I was originally thinking of, oh, woe is me, I got, you know, leave of absence time where I'm disabled and can't do anything to, wow, I have leave of absence time away from my nine to five where I have 24 hours in a day to grind for me. Um, Right now, I'm at the end of a six-week health cycle again. Um, Some of that six-week period, uh, the universe is is trying to test me. Um, And I had a vertical spout, I can remember about four years ago, that took me out about six weeks where I had these seasons that really, literally knocked me down. And I'm frustrated at first. I want to do my schedule. I want to keep my commitments. But in this season of me being down, I had to realize, one, I'm not in control. I had to realize, two, this healing time in downtown is a gift. And really, instead of resisting it, ask God, you know, what are you trying to show me in this season? And even with me being 
you know, almost out of the weeds in this current season. Um, I can even see the gift that God has given me with visions for plans for next year. Um, when I'm down, you know, you step up and show me love. You cook and do grocery shopping and really show me love in different ways. Uh, your family, my family, friends, even a lot of my followers, I hadn't been posting that much while I was sick. They're like, hey, we missed your post. Um, so you, you, you can see a sense of community when you're down versus when you're the one pouring into others. So I think the big lesson for me when I've had these health challenges that have just completely taken me out of my control for weeks is just they're like reminders that I'm not in control of my life anyway. So when I'm on, I have to do my content. I have to take care of myself. I have to be prepared and have things in order. So when I have these seasons that I'm down, everything doesn't crumble and fall apart. Absolutely. Absolutely. This podcast episode is sponsored by Battery Exchange. Let me tell you a little bit about Battery Exchange. I'm actually really good friends with the founder of the company, and the company is great, right? Because if anybody knows me, my phone always dies. I mean, all the time, no matter what. And so what they do is they help you live life charged. Why? How do they help you do that? So they have smart kiosks around the city where basically you pull out your phone, you search where the kiosk is located, and it'll show you where the kiosks are, and you can basically check out a portable battery, right, for a nominal cost. So whether you're out on a town with friends, you're at a concert, uh, you know, you're out to dinner and you're like, man, my phone's about to die. Instead of having to ask the bartender, hey, can you plug my phone up behind the bar or trying to figure out where you're, you know, you can plug your phone up. You can just locate one of those kiosks, check out a battery, charge on the go. You don't have to worry about your phone being somewhere else or your phone actually being dead, which is the worst possible outcome. And literally, um, it charges, you know, very, very rapidly. I actually got a chance to use it uh, multiple times and it works really, really well. And they're going to help people stay connected, right? Because if we're being honest, our cell phones are a vital component of our everyday life. So if you haven't checked it out before, check out Battery Exchange. Uh, they are rapidly expanding. So kiosks will be popping up everywhere before you know it. Um, but if a kiosk is available near you and your phone is about to die, don't fret because Battery Exchange is here to save the day. Well, you know, this is the Uncensored Podcast and people want to talk about money and business, which we've, you know, talked a little bit about, but let's kind of get a little more specific now. Um, so many people think that as an influencer, your main or only source of income is working with brands, which it can be a great and significant source of income, right? I know you, you have a couple of brand shoots um, that you that you got pending now, actually. Um, so Christmas is going to be fleeky. Thanks to her. Um <laughs> Now, while that can be a great source, you know, you learn early on that there are other ways to monetize. So this is a two part question. One, why is it important to find other ways to monetize as an influencer? Right. And then two, talk to us a little bit about what your other revenue streams are as an influencer. So for someone who's coming up and thinking all I my only option is to take pretty pictures with products they can understand that influence is really just a gateway to being able to do several other things. Absolutely. So I'll answer your first question. So my philosophy as an influencer is not to solely depend on one stream of income or one platform for income earning, because if that platform fails, then you fail. So for example, a lot of Instagram um, influencers make good money, but you know, a couple of years, Instagram won't be popular. And if that's where you put all your energy and content and focus on and strategy, when Instagram is not popular anymore, 
will you fail or will you have a backup and another way to be lucrative? Um, so, you know, some of the ways I try to encourage influencers to monetize in, in streams outside of social media um, is, you know, affiliate links. There's programs like Shop Style Collective and Reward Style that give influencers commissions for making referrals. So if, for example, I post something on my blog and someone's like, oh, I love that product, you know, when they click the link, I get a commission from that sale. So a blog is another platform outside of social media where you can sell your own products, you can have ebook, you can sell courses. Um, speaking engagements and panels are another primary source of income for me. Um, workshops and events where you're creating experiences, you can make income from sponsors, from ticket sales. Um, doing one-on-one -on -one consulting is another way influencers can make money. Um, if you've really come to a place where you're an expert in a specific niche topic, you know, I charge my one-on-ones. An hour and two hours with me, I get charged for my knowledge because I've put years and years into the game. Um, I've seen um, influencers make money off of webinars. Um, this year, I've gotten into those online experiences. Um, so there's a lot of things you can do outside of just depending on brands um, because that's a, a great source of income, but it can't be the only source. Absolutely. Absolutely. But just to give people a little bit of context, though, and because this will probably be the easiest one to, to highlight. While she did mention a lot of different other revenue streams that I can attest to that she has monetized successfully. For those of us out here who look at influencers and be like, oh, they're talking about this purse or talking about this shirt or whatever, adding in these links and tagging these brands, mm -hmm. like let people know, like give them a little insight, right? Let them know, like I, I don't want nobody pulling up on you because I don't have to kill nobody. <laughs> but like, just like let them know, like you, while you out here posting for people, some people are posting for likes, like don't hit on the influencers because the same post that you're posting, they're posting and you can get what? I mean, granted, it's going to vary between your negotiation skills and, you know, how many followers and your impact and your reach. But just give us an idea of one of your better like collaborations for a post on Instagram. Oh, yeah. I'll say loosely, not calling any brand names, but for a normal beauty post, if I'm sharing hair care, latest skincare or lipstick, I mean, you can get 5K. You can get 4K. I mean, it's plus the product you're not paying for. Um, right. These can be very lucrative business deals. Um, you know, some of my counterparts um, with very engaged audiences, larger followings, um, who have been doing it longer. I mean, they're making six figures a year just from brand deals and partnerships. So it is something that you can do full time. And it is something that, you know, at minimum, if done with strategy, you can easily make three to four figures every month. Um, I've been averaging four figures every month and, um, you know, influencing is a side hustle. So it definitely is something that influencer marketing is going to be a $10 billion industry with projections to continue to grow year after year. So this industry is just getting started and is not going to die down. I think we're going to see it shift in how the influencer marketing plays out in terms of like when influencer marketing first started, images were you know primarily the the way to market now we're seeing video now we're seeing igtv youtube is prominent um so you're going to see the means and methods change but the industry is going to continue to grow because it works and it's effective gotcha so you know being an influencer which we're talking about now you know people send you some cool stuff uh most of which at this point you get paid to use or talk about 
if someone wants to get paid to be themselves, what would you say is the best route to go about doing that? How do you start? Well, I always tell people to start with what they're already using. So when I first started being an influencer and I thought, man, I want to start working with brands and getting free stuff and getting paid from brands. Like, where do I start? So me wanting to focus on beauty, I went in my bathroom and looked at what brands of makeup I had, looked at what brands of hair care I had, looked at what brands of skincare I had. And I started reaching out to those brands and then I started promoting those brands for free to get their attention. So, for example, if there was a lipstick line I liked, I would go to Target and buy it, go to Sephora and buy it, go to MAC and buy it, and I would share it, tag that brand, DM that brand, get their attention, and then they're like, oh, well, cool, we like your post. you know. And then sometimes they'll say, hey, can we have the rights to share this post? Or they will share it on their platform and their feed and their stories, which gets you in front of their audience. Or it minimally opens up the door for a conversation about a potential collaboration. So when I first started, I would get the brand's attention by posting something that I paid for, you know, share it with them. They thank me for sharing it because that's free marketing for them. And then I would soft pitch and say, hey, you know, can I have the contact information to work with influencers? And a lot of times that's how I got on PR lists for getting free stuff. They saw that I was willing to promote them on my own organically. And then I started getting... Um, you know, free mailers every month of their latest products. Then as I consistently created quality content, that's when they'll say, hey, you know, we value what you're putting out. What's your rate for creating this content? So, you know, at the beginning, you're going to be the one getting the brand's attention. When you consistently create quality work, the brands will notice you and reach out to you. So I would say at the beginning, when people are like, how do I start? I say just organically promote who you believe in and who you use anyway, because you'll get their attention and then you'll be on their radar if you're doing quality work. Got it. Makes sense. You know, I feel like everybody thinks being an influencer is so cool. And, you know, and I guess my question is, what are some of the things that people probably don't realize are really challenging about being an influencer and a content creator? If you do influencer work as a business, it's it's a business and it comes with a ton of work. Um, there's so much back-end work that people don't see. For example, even landing a brand deal, I have to read 14-page contracts and make sure I'm not agreeing to something that is not going to be in my best interest. I have to negotiate when brands say they have this budget and I know they have more. I have to decline uh, brand deals when brands don't want to pay me my value. Um, I have to use QuickBooks and do bookkeeping. Like when, you, when you're when you an influencer, you're a small business. And a lot of times you have to be your own creative director, a photo shoot, your own stylist, your own makeup artist, your own hair, hair stylist. And it's a lot you have to do to create something to inspire and influence others. So I would say I think a lot of what people see on camera is probably 50% of it. And it's about 50% of admin work, prep work. That people don't get to see like what people see on my feed is usually stuff that was done the month before like what will be content that I put out in December of this year is stuff I did you know you know October November so I think people don't see the planning and preparation um, and I think for the influencer take it seriously it's a lot of work true true um, that's definitely some some helpful information about understanding the the life of the illustrious uh, influencer world and just you know how to manage that and what that looks like as a business and we talked a little bit about personal life but 
Um, one of the things we both realized is, you know, using using Instagram as a metric, not saying that, that, that it's the end all be all. When we post content together, uh, it gets the most engagement, arguably because people like, you know, when I'm on your feed. Um, and maybe I'm the, the truth is, I'm the real influencer. Um, but no, all jokes aside, like, people like the content. I think people who know us like us, love us, you know, for sure. But I think people who don't know us, maybe they like the concept of us. They like the concept of, oh, well, George does his own thing and Madge does her own thing and they're a power couple. And, you know, we, we gladly accept, right, the, those, those labels. That's cool. But I, I don't think people realize, like, all that just go, and this part is more of a dialogue and less of an interview, but people don't really, like, realize all that goes into it, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, like you said earlier, like the how much we have to prioritize, and it's like just, just literally before this podcast, realized that there were, I had an overlap with an engagement for some content we were supposed to shoot together, um, and literally everything having to be scheduled. So, I guess I just want your perspective, and like I said, we can kind of go back and forth on this. Like, what is it like being married to someone who is equally ambitious as you? Because from the outside looking in, it, it seems so cool. Like you go to your page and it's like you're doing your thing. You come to my page, I'm doing my thing. But that comes with a lot. So like, what's your perspective on that? I think we, in our four-year marriage, through a lot of trial and error, have come to a good understanding of there's a lot of intentionality a lot of communicating and a lot of planning to make it work when one doesn't feel slighted because just like I have a conference, I have a panel, I have shoots, you have speaking engagements, you have, you know, movements and initiatives, you have campaigns. So I think one thing that I learned the hard way, I used to think, okay, you know, so this Saturday I have a blogger conference and Sunday I'm going to want to have a date with George because I'm free. And then I would do something, you know, my blogger conference on Saturday and I'll be free on Sunday. And then I'm like, hey, George, let's go do a date. And he's like, oh, but I have a panel. So I learned the hard way that just because I'm free doesn't mean he's free because he has his own business, his own commitments, his own, you know, influence and his own right as to the obligations he has. So we literally have almost daily conversations of what's your day look like? What commitments do you have this week? And things that are important to each other. Whereas if he has events, if I have events, you know, we try to support each other. If we're both, you know, available and feeling well, we're there. He comes to my all women's blogger conference because he supports me. And when he's speaking and doing events, I go see him. Um, And it's been really important for us, I think, to realize that we can't assume that the other one is going to be available when we need. And so we have to communicate those needs. Even down to not assuming the other one knows that they want them to be there. Like, I had one women's panel that was about, like, skincare and beauty. And I wanted George there because I was a little nervous. I was in scene. It was um, a big event that had um, some, some, some celebrity bosses that own companies. And I was like, hey, George, I want you there. And without me communicating that, he would have thought, oh, it's a girls' event. Match doesn't want me there. I'm okay. And that could have been an expectation gap. So I think the four years of marriage have really taught us that we have to be very intentional and as important as our business ambitions and endeavors are is as important as our relationship has to be. And it has to be at the forefront because if not, I mean, we both in our nature could work all day and then look up and be like, oh, yeah, I'm married to you. I'm supposed to, you know, satisfy your needs, too. So, you know, he has to give me cuddle time. He has to give me dates. You know, I have to do sweet and thoughtful things for him. 
Um, you know, if you all are familiar with love languages, we learn the hard way that I'm someone who really likes quality time and physical touch. And we learn that George is someone who really likes access service. So we try to, in the midst of being busy, make sure that that is prioritized and that we show each other love and respect at all times. And we don't get it right all the time. We have to right. do, you know, nudges and reminders just to make sure because we're human. But I think intentionality and partnership and understanding has been kind of the key lesson of, you know, you're not just going to read my mind and know when I need you. And I'm just not going to read my mind and know you need me. So for me to be successful as an influencer is you really having to make a lot of sacrifices for me to do a lot of things I do. And you running a successful financial practice with all the things you do outside of that, like this podcast, you know, I make sacrifices because I believe in your dreams and I know that it's worth it. Yeah, I mean, I think of a couple of things when you said that. Like, well, one, like she said, jokingly, I mean, jokingly, I think she said one time, like her life coach that she gets to sleep with. But um, the, the point of that is, is that when you're when you have somebody who's equally as ambitious as you, it's kind of like you could be in a, a, a endless business brainstorm. Right. It's like I bounce the idea off her. She bounced the idea off me. And boom, 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 boom. We keep doing it. And we could, you know, easily forget that, hey, the actual most important thing of this whole situation is the marriage, right? So, like, the power couple stuff is cool, but it's like, don't lose sight of uh, what's most important. Because, you know, if, if my business becomes a billion-dollar business, but we fail, then I failed, and vice versa, right? So, it's just really remembering that. And, you know, the other thing that comes to mind is that, you know, you have to kind of get off your high horse, right? Because when you have all these things going on it's easy to think that you don't like you're not responsible for still doing stuff for your spouse like i still gotta step in and i gotta wash dishes at times and i gotta help cook out cook if necessary and i do domestic stuff when necessary and she does it and so it's like we both have to like or if i'm doing a podcast or i have long meetings she's bringing me dinner down to the office if i'm working from home and so just never being so much on your high horse that you're not willing to serve your significant other and your spouse because at the core of the the relationship is am I willing to you know serve you and be there for you and not you know always think about myself so it's it's, it's a lot of work guys I don't I don't I mean we you know we do well and you know we um, we enjoy each other but I don't want to ever paint the picture like it's just you know, two bosses just doing boss things at all times, right? Like there's, <laughs> there's a lot, a lot that goes into, you know, making this type of work relationship work because not comparing our relationship to anybody. We know that there's, you know, power couples that are doing way more than both of us. So we're not putting ourselves on a pedestal, but a lot of what we found, at least in our sphere of influence is, you know, you'll find a situation where maybe the husband's leading the charge and entrepreneurially in the, and the woman's a stay-at-home mom. Or maybe she's not a stay-at-home mom, but she just has a regular job. Or you have the woman who's the influencer and she's doing the campaigns and the guy, you know, has a real steady, solid and consistent job. Um, but we haven't seen a lot of situations from example's sake where both people are building and pursuing uh, their big visions at the same time. So we don't have any blueprint. Um, you know, we're just doing our best to make it work. Um, and learning through the process, but I definitely wanted to touch on that a little bit because I know that, you know, there's a lot of people who maybe there are influencers or want to venture into this space and they're just like, man, well, I want to do this, but I got kids or I want to do this, but I got a significant other and I got it like, it's hard, it's a lot of work, but it can be done. I just think intentionality, communication um, and humility 
if I had to pick three, uh, are three things that you know you just have to focus on. Would you agree? Absolutely. Cool. Um, so we're about to close out 2019. Um, it's been a heck of a year. Um, heck of a year. Uh, my question is, as we close out the year ahead into 2020, uh, what can we expect from you, and what are you like most excited about? Well, I'm a planner, and you know this, but it'll be an announcement for everybody else. Um, this will be my third year doing my Nitro Influence Conference, and um, I just secured the date for 2020, so I'm excited about uh, May 2nd, 2020, will be my third Nitro Influence. And um, the plan and programming for it, it's going to be Liddy. Uh, so I'm already looking forward to that. Um, next year is going to be great. Next year, I mean, I've learned so much this year with, especially this year was the first time I really dove into online classes and webinars. Um, I have a lot of um, niche subtopic webinars uh, mapped out. Um, I'm going to be launching a webinar course um, so that new bloggers can learn about working with brands and understand more about the nuances and the back end work. So um, next year is going to be really good of me um, really just doing what I love to do and, and putting some great content and resources out there for other content creators. So I'm excited. And it's the 2020 year, as people say, you know, the year of, of clear vision. And ironically, I feel like it's the year I'm going into being very clear on my purpose and my why and really being in pocket of just where I want to be. So I totally misread that answer. I thought what you were going to say that you were most excited about is that you get to go into another year. With you? Oh, I'm answering that so wrong. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I get to I'm approach year five of being your wife. You see, see, I just get just talk about being a power couple. All, all <laughs> she care about is her business. I wouldn't, I wouldn't in nowhere in her 2020 plans. Y'all see how I she did? I'm going to divorce you in 2020, so you know you're going to be. Dang. You know you can't leave me. You see how me. they do? But now, nah, um, so <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure most people that listen to this podcast, you know, probably know. Who you are and, and, and what you're all about, and you definitely, if they didn't, you shared uh, some good insight with them. But my last question, just so they have no question or excuse, uh, where, I guess my second to last question, where can we keep up with you? Where can we find you? So, um, and George took credit, I heard you take credit for this earlier. Um, for a long time, so in 2012, my brand name and business name has been Born Majestic. Um, and now, if you're looking for me, you can find me under my name. Um, so, MajestyActionPong.com. On social, is at MajestyActionPong. And um, if you know how to spell Dora's last name, you can just add Majesty to the front of that. Um, but yeah, my name, if you search in social and on the website, you can find all my information. And on there, you can see my events calendar, um, my one on one coaching services. You'll be seeing information about Ignite Your Influence soon. And on social, you can keep up with kind of a day in the life. Yeah, I, I did want credit. You know what I'm saying? You got to you gotta give credit where it's due. Let the people know who the marketing genius behind Born, well, the oh, previous Born Majestic, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It is a spouse know. perk. So anytime I have business strategy shifts, business planning, I always throw it and bounce it out for George. And uh, he does the same. I, I can say the benefit of this power couple partnership is... We definitely have someone, when they say iron sharpens iron, to really think outside the box. He's never shut down my dreams and plans. I've never shut down his dreams and plans. Um, so that's been a benefit. But, but next year is going to be a real boss-up year, but with balance and focus on self-care and focus on K 
caring for you. It sounds like a hashtag. Boss up, but with balance. <laughs> That's uh, like that. Um, make, it, make it fashion. The caption, quote. yes. Boss up, but make it fashion. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, doing all the, you know, the other, and this is a quick tangent before we close out. The other, like, unfortunate side effect of, of being of being like married to someone who like does all this stuff and switches up stuff all the time was like I I shamefully know way too much about women's terminology like I know about what a closure is and I know about what wigs and it's embarrassing but I'm kind of I'm kind of over it now like I know all the terms because she has she gets every hairstyle. He she can gets, tell you what a lace front is, what the difference between goddess locks and faux locks. Um, he he's very in tune with all the um, feminine influencers. Well, well, you're a little strong with that feminine now. Hold on, <laughs> no, now. I mean, pause. No, pause like that you feminine. make it fashion because you've been keeping up. Not that you would ever use it, but yeah, I would never use it. I'm just mean you woke yeah. in the yeah because I have to hear from you every day. Influencer, or yeah, star. that's why. That's why. And my last question, I can't let you off the hook. With what I ask everybody is. What does living life uncensored mean to you? Being authentic and just jumping and taking risks and being yourself. And I think that's the beauty of being an influencer. Like you, you are you and no one else can be you. Even in a saturated market like influencer marketing, no one's me. Um, So I try to be authentic I make sure that I only promote things that I believe in. And, and my uncensored is I'm really making my own path. You know, from coming from a family line of preachers, I'm choosing to spread a, a positive message in a very non traditional way. So for me, being uncensored is really owning my journey and my path and being myself and looking at God, you know, expand my reach and expand my touch to help people. And there you have it, folks. Well, Madge, thanks for coming back on the show. It was a pleasure to have you. I know you have an extremely long walk up to the bedroom from <laughs> from the office. But, thanks uh, for having me. Next time, don't make it what, almost four years until I come back on. And not quite four. You, you said 2016. It's almost, almost. Almost only counts in horseshoes. And with that, guys, we're out of here. Peace. <laughs> Thank you for joining in. Thank you for tuning in to an episode of the Uncensored Show. Take at least one thing you heard today and apply it to your life immediately so that you can become one step closer to living a more meaningful and fulfilling life and aligning your resources to what matters most to you. Remember, money is just a resource to fuel your journey. The question is, what's yours? What's going on, guys? Thank you so much for listening to the Uncensored Podcast. Whether you've listened to one episode or 40 episodes, I am so grateful for you taking any amount of time out of your day to listen to my show. Now, if you like what you heard, the best way to show me that you have an appreciation for this content is to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and share this podcast with at least three friends because that helps us spread the word, right? We don't have a big marketing budget over here at the Uncensored uh, Podcast Studios, which is my home office, by the way, but we do have your support. And with that support, we can reach thousands, if not hundreds of thousands. So guys, thanks so much 
uh, for your support. Please share this with three friends and leave a review and we'll see you on the next episode.